Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 66. Up, Pablo's Bell. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson, and I have my fabulous, amazing co-host, Morgan Stradling, as well as our impromptu, awesome Pixar fanatic and know-it-all of everything Pixar, Pablo Ruiz. Say hi, Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Welcome, Pablo. Thanks. I'm so excited. We are too. So Mason, this is finals week for for many of us, and Mason had a last-minute project, so he had to cancel, and it was about 15 minutes before we were going to record, and Chelsea and I were like, oh, well, I guess we can record. It won't be as fun. (laughs) And then I thought, Pablo, he knows everything everything about up and he is our resident pixar expert so i sent him a message and i was like well i understand this is a stretch you probably have plans because you're really cool and he is really cool but he just happened to not have plans (laughs) pablo hopped on and now he's with us today and we're really excited yes i'm so excited i love this movie Okay, so today for our our episode, we are doing a fan-voted episode. So last year, you can go to rotoscopers.com slash movie request, and that's where you can put in your submission for the number one movie that you want us to review. And so I go through those every once in a while, and I tally them up, and up was definitely up there. So I decided to include it for our animated dog series, where we're going to be reviewing different movies in animation that feature dogs. Last week, we did Balto, and this week, we're doing Up. And I was thinking about it after we announced this. I'm like, "Mm, I guess that's kind of a stretch, because the main characters aren't dogs, unlike Balto or 101 Dalmatian, Lady in the Trap. Um, So... Whatever, it's up, and half the characters are dogs, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they fly planes and everything, so they're dogs. Superpower dogs, exactly. I mean, I guess we could have done super buddies, because those are animated dogs, kind of. Oh, yeah, Just totally. Kidding. <laughs> you make me sit through that again, I'll wring your neck. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to give some general information about Up before we go into our discussion. So Up was released May 29th, 2009. It is directed by Pete Docter, and was its budget was $175 million, and it completely made all that back with $731 million worldwide, so nothing to shake a stick at. Um, it is one of Pixar's most beloved animated films, um, it's the one that probably will make you cry the most out of anything, except for maybe the end of Toy Story 3, right, Pablo? Yep, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing can compete against that. Oh, it's so good. 
the film was nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best... And who would have thought? A movie about dogs that can talk and fly planes and a man, a little old man who flies away with balloons on his house is a movie nominated for Best Picture. I think that's just so creative and really goes to show how amazing Pixar is with their storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, especially with that beginning. Like, I think that alone deserved an Oscar nomination. If they would have... If they would have made that just the short right there, then it would have most definitely won the Oscar. But the thing is, that would have been so incredibly depressing just to end it right after the marriage sequence. Oh, no. That would be deadly. Yeah, there's there's no... <laughs> and the end. He's alone. Thanks for the moral. <laughs> Good afternoon. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. I could help you cross the street. No. I could help you cross your yard. No. I could help you cross your... No. Ow. All his life, Carl Fredrickson dreamed of adventure. Today, his adventure is finally taking off. So what are you guys' first impressions of this movie or first recollection? I just remember watching it in the theaters and with my parents and there's just, my family, we're all known for just being a family of criers. Like we cry at every little thing. And I look over after that whole marriage sequence and yes, both my mom and my dad are just bawling and I'm in there just bawling. And that's all I remember after that. You know, it's like, I didn't really, really remember the rest of the movie. I just knew that I bawled through the first five minutes and I was like, what? Oh, I wasn't as obsessed with Pixar as I am when it came out. And I distinctly remember sitting on the theater and crying. And I was like, 
the movie started five minutes ago. How am I crying? How did they make me care about the characters so much? And that's basically what started my Pixar obsession. Nice. That's awesome. So I remember seeing this movie. So it, um, 2009 through part of 2010, I was on a mission for my church. And so um, you don't like watch TV or go to the movies. Like you're strictly, you know, serving people and helping. And so the first time I saw this movie was the day I got home. And so I'd been like in this other world, basically Texas and um, <laughs> hadn't been watching movies, hadn't been on the internet for a year and a half. And then I come back and my parents, you know, I'm kind of trying to get back into real world and society. And they say the very first night that I got home, Oh, let's watch up. You know, you love Disney, you love Pixar. And so this was the very first movie I saw when I got back. And oh my I remember, I don't remember necessarily crying during marriage sequence. Cause I think I was so out of it in general, like, I was just weirded out the fact that I was watching a movie, which oh, is yeah. a really bad first impression to have, because <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, and I don't think I actually finished it, because I was just very disoriented about everything. And so, but then going back and watching it every single time, I still, you know, have this response of tears down my face, crying, and, and I know what's coming, you know, it's not like it's a surprise during the first five minutes that Ellie dies, but they just every single time do such a wonderful job about creating that story and creating those emotions and making you care that even though you know what's happening, you can't prevent it. Yeah. The moment he walks into the house and the music just starts just to inch in, I just ball. I just, I've, I know it's coming. And so I, it just starts and I can't stop. And that theme plays throughout the movie. And so anytime yeah. you hear that theme, it's associated with that first tragic event. And you know, okay, something sad's going to happen. He's going to open the memory book and it's going to uh. be sad. It's, oh. <laughs> uh. They do that on purpose. They like It's like they the Pavlov's bell with a dog. You know, you ring a bell and the dog salivates. It's like <laughs> you play the merry life sequence and we people all cry. cry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we end up crying doing this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm, I've got my, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm good. So let's, since we're talking about it, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And I think I'm okay spending a half hour just talking about the married life sequence. What yeah, makes it I'm good? Okay what that. makes it great? Yep. Why it's I'm so down. important? So let's go. Well, first off, when you walk in, you see... Just how exuberant Ellie is. Well, yeah. You, you see him, and he's off in his own little world at the movie theater. And so it's a really good – they do a really good job at, at you know, building the exposition. And then you meet Ellie, and you can just see how, how different they are and just how he could just, like, fall in love with her so quickly. And I thought that was really cute. Yeah, they do a really good job um, at the very beginning when they're young and as they grow up, showing that they really are opposites, you know, opposites attract. Um, many, even their character designs, he's square and she's rounded. And that's really the two main character designs that are in this movie. Um, it's either ba- they're based on a square or they're based on a circle. Unless you're a bad guy, you're based on a triangle. 
So, and I just love during the sequence how different their personalities are. There's just this dichotomy between him being really shy and reserved and a little quiet. And she's, like Chelsea said, exuberant and full of life and energy and really just kind of the one who not carries the relationship, but, you know, adds fire to the relationship because she's always doing things and moving. And I, yeah, I, well, I don't, I don't think Carl speaks during the the first few minutes right and ellie wouldn't just shut up <laughs> yeah exactly great. well he so does you fall, you fall in love with her immediately yeah yeah and he does speak like he well he does he says no during the movie part when he's watching the movie and he's like no they were wrong and then at the very end of the i just met ellie scene he's like Wow. But that's all he says throughout the whole thing. Just amazing. Pixar is, the, like the sequences Pixar makes without dialogue are always amazing. Like the whole beginning of Wally or the, the incinerator scene in Toy Story 3. Well, Pete Doctor wrote this whole thing as well. So him and Bob Peterson, but it was, this is like Pete's baby. And I just, like, curse you, Pete, for making me cry so much. <gasps> well, it's interesting because the movie really was shaped just based on an idea. It, he didn't have the idea of Ellie first and, you know, that this this would happen to she and Carl. Um, he had the idea of a old, an old man, right, like floating away with balloons, like a house floating away with balloons. And that really sparked, like, all this creativity and thought and discussion. Like, well, why is this house floating away? What caused this? And and then so we started creating kind of the backstory and developing the characters. And the, it's this movie is very eccentric in that you have, you know, a house floating away. You have a really old, crookedy old, or crockety old man. Then you have... Um, Russell, who's the Boy Scout, who's completely from another world. And then you have talking dogs. I mean, and then you have Kevin, of all things. It's it's just all these pieces that when you look at it, you think, this shouldn't work. This is crazy. Yeah. This should not work and, at all. And this is one example of how much work Pixar puts into a movie, because I was reading Ed Cadmel's book. And he mentions that at the beginning, it was a movie about like two princes that fall from a flying uh, castle that is just like on a cloud. So you you see how much like they they put into a movie and how much it changes and how they're not afraid to to like put a movie there and if it fails, just discard it and come with, back with a new idea. So it, it's amazing that it turned out as good as it is. So going back to the married life sequence, I think. First off, the music. Um, Michael Giacchino's score is spot on. I, I think a lot of times the scores, you, I don't notice them. Um, you know, they're kind of background music. For example, Frozen score, I don't really think was anything special. Um, you know, I can listen to it now and recognize where it come from. But it, it doesn't, to me, add to the emotion in a way. It doesn't add to the emotion. It doesn't, like, have its own life. Like yeah. this score does. This score kind of, you know, has its own life. It carries the movie. It's very distinctive. So when you hear those tunes and those melodies, you know exactly what we're supposed to expect or which character is on stage right now. And uh, it's so good. And it has like the trumpet and it's just kind of an old timey score that is jolly and cute. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think it's also just because it's so reminiscent of the 40s, you know, with it being in three-quarter time, every, you know, it's very much waltzy, and it just flows. Like, like you said, it's very whimsical, and it, I don't know, it, it even evokes the mental image of a balloon kind of floating away, like, doom, 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 you know, like, man, he's good. I would say that this one and, like, Lion King and um, Little Mermaid are my top three. Well, there's more scores. Those but are good. Those are ones those are where you can, really good score. you can just listen to the score and know mm-hmm. everything and you know the main themes. And, and that's the same thing about this score is yeah, it is the movie. Like, without this, the movie wouldn't be what it is. It's true. It is integral to the movie. Yep, and it won Best Original Score in the Academy Awards, so ah, see? it deserved it. Oh, yeah. I'm glad they all realized what we could have told them. <laughs> <laughs> in the married life sequence, I guess it starts really early where they're introduced, and he breaks his arm, and then they sort of start you know, having this courtship, and they get married, and then married life begins. And it's super cute because they are just this odd couple in a way, and there's no there's no talking through this whole part. Um, there's just little movements or hand gestures. You know, the part where they're sitting in the chair reading just probably on a normal, typical Thursday afternoon. And they just hold each other's hands and they smile. Um, just little moments like that make you care for these characters and understand how much they care for each other. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then they go and they, they're working at the zoo and he's helping the the children with the balloons and she's really about the birds and the parrots. Um, They are two completely different, like, um, I guess jobs. And, but I love at the same time, they feel like equals. Like I don't look at Ellie and think, oh, well, she's the zoologist. And so she's the zookeeper and she's better than him because he's just selling, you know, peanuts and balloons. You don't get that impression at all. They're equals and they're supporting each other. Um, and it's well, cool. and they get to work close to each other. Mm-hmm. Like, even at work, they enjoy the fact that they're together. You know, you got some couples who are like, oh, well, you, know, you need their time apart, too. I'm like, well, that's, yeah, I can, yeah, but you should want to be together. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so Pablo actually showed me a making of featurette. So you can go to Pixar.com, and if you click on Up, I'll include the link in the show notes, but they have actually quite a few of the making of featurettes that were on the Blu-ray DVD, which is really neat because sometimes you can only find those uh, on the Blu-ray itself or like illegally on YouTube. (laughs) So I really enjoyed that they (laughs) presented that for us. And so they talked about how this scene initially they were um, a bit more hostile toward each other. Like they had this punching game that they started when they were little where they would try to out punch each other and they would just randomly punch each other in the arm or the shoulder or in the face and it was like they they thought it was hilarious um you know all the people in the story room were like oh this is so funny you know even like when ellie's almost dying she like gives them this little feeble punch and then so they showed it and they screened it to everybody and there was just like crickets like no one appreciated that it kind of went too far (laughs) and i watched that and i was even horrified i'm like ugh. This yeah, doesn't... I think I cried, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, good choice in 
you know, because that sort of added this like negativity to the relationship that I think would have taken back from how strong and emotional this was. And so I'm, I'm glad that they just made them loving and caring for each other and not like uh, want to punch each other guts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, see, that's the problem with like being in the story room all by yourself is you start thinking that your jokes are hilarious, but then nobody else laughs. Like, Dang it. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I like, obviously, so how many times do we cry during the sequence? So the very first one, obviously, is um, when they're trying to have a baby, and they really amp this up. So yeah. they get you excited because, oh, a little one's coming, and they're painting the nursery, and they're nesting. And oh. then it's like the slow fade to the doctor's office, and just, you know, in shadows, and they're, she's just crying. And that hits you right away. And then it goes to the next scene where she's just sitting outside and she's sort of a disheveled mess, rightfully so. Um, And it just adds another layer of humanity to it and realize, Oh, this is, this is real. Yeah. It's so sad. You are making me cry. It's not me. It's the grand Pixar. It's the grand Pixar. (laughs) So, and I think they they tastefully did that scene. You know, they didn't have to say what had happened. They just kind of showed it through, like, you know, visually and emotions. And you you got the picture. And from then on out, their life isn't going to be the same. Um, You know, they're just kind of a solo couple. I don't know why they couldn't adopt, but that kind of would have thrown a a wrench in how sad this was. (laughs) (laughs) Because almost at the end, he does adopt, not really, but I almost feel like he, it's a pseudo-adoption of Russell. Like, I'm kind yeah. of your your yeah, fake grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, th- I think maybe one reason, because they, they couldn't have adopted because they were so on, such on a tight budget in the first place. I mean, they bought the disheveled mess, you know, the yeah. house, and had to rebuild it themselves. And then every time the, they needed a new tire, they had to break open their piggy bank. You know, so it's like they're definitely going through the, you know, the time of, well, this is also the time when nobody ever had credit cards and you actually paid cash for things. So obviously they're just going to be getting by on what they get by on. Yeah, that's a point that we didn't talk about is that they have these grand adventures to go visit this place called Paradise Falls. And she's such an adventurer that, like, it's going to happen. Um and then life sort of happens. And I like that they sort of show this reality that you have these dreams. But sometimes real life and responsibilities gets in the way. And really at the end of the story, it's not, oh, what a wasted life. You didn't get to do what you wanted to do. It's looking back and, and realizing, wow, that was an amazing journey. Um, look at everything we did. Yeah, we didn't go travel around the world and you know live this glamorous life, but look at the life we did live. And that's what I think is so powerful about this movie is it really helps put things into perspective and have you be grateful for like the moments in your life that are, they may seem trivial, trivial at the time, but they're actually really grand and momentous. Yeah. Well, and even there's the part where... Um... Or there's the part where Russell comes up and he's just talking about how his dad, like one of his favorite memories is after his little scout troop meeting, they would go to eat ice cream and sit on the curb. And he's just like, I really like that curb. Sometimes it's the really simple things that 
you know, you remember the most. And you're like, oh, poor kid. <laughs> so what <laughs> happened to Russell's dad? He's just sort of like a deadbeat dad. That's what I was assuming. I think so. <laughs> yeah. And his mom, he doesn't have one. Well, well I, I don't. She's there at the end, isn't yeah. she? Like clapping oh. at the ceremony. I thought that that was his mom because he didn't talk about his mom as if she wasn't there. It was just he was always disappointed in, with his dad. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, but he, he does talk about some woman named Phyllis, right? <laughs> Phyllis isn't his mom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe that was Phyllis at the end. Maybe. I don't know. Such a mystery, this Russell. I, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that's also a good thing, too, because, I mean, you look at, they took you through every little bit of Carl and Ellie's life, and to the point where it's like you had so many good feelings of the fact that a life can be good. And then you look at Russell, and his life really just isn't as good as Carl's was, and it's just really sad, like, in a sad way. And... So it's kind of like you just hint at the fact that there's negativity there, but you can kind of move past it. And like you love Russell because he's so cute and he's trying to be involved and do things. And you really see that innocence in him that children still have at that age where they're not, you know, too cool for certain things or sort yeah. of corrupted by society, which yeah. does happen at, you know, younger and younger ages that. He's pure and innocent, and he just wants to be a Boy Scout, and he just wants to help. And ugh, I love it, because like, I kind of wish kids would always stay like that, or stay like that longer. <laughs> I know. Mm. So, okay, so then going back to married life, um, like, one of my favorite parts of this sequence is when, you know, they're old, and, and Carl finally goes and buys the tickets, yeah. To South America. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you are the cutest husband. It took you a long time, but you know how important this is to her. And he, you know, get takes them to their favorite tree, which is the tree from a bug's life, which is super cool. <laughs> and, you know, he's they're going back to their place where they would always go. And you're really excited because me, as someone who's followed them throughout their life, I'm like, yes, they're finally going to go. And I get to see this moment where he's presenting her the tickets and she's going to be so excited. And then in an instant, it all goes away. She yeah. falls and you can, you know, well, first off, we know that she's old in the first place. And so we know that, you know, this isn't your normal fall, I guess. It could be pretty serious. And then she's in the hospital and all those dreams are shattered again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the funeral. Oh, again? Why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it just like <sighs> sh- like shifts so just moment by moment. And you're like, no. <laughs> and um, this is like ten minutes into the movie, and you're already <laughs> bawling. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, and then like uh at that moment, when he wakes up and it's a normal day and he's sitting on his little lift chair going down <laughs> the stairs, you're like, I totally understand why you're the way you are, why you're so angry at the world. I understand. <laughs> I would be sad if Ellie were gone too. And it's so sad because there really is this shift in his demeanor. Like mm-hmm. He was always shy and reserved, but he was never mean or grumpy. But when his light, which is Ellie, when she left, I mean, literally the light in the house and the color 
is muted. I mean, it gets really dark. Um, the colors aren't as vibrant anymore. And just the life force has really been taken out of him because she was his partner this whole time. And you can sense it and you can feel it and you realize something's missing. And it's really a part of Carl that's missing. Yeah. And it's sad because there's nothing that can happen. So, and then I've got, they, they really put it just for perspective by zooming out and realizing, yeah, the world moved on without you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's like, man, you are really holding out and the city did not care. <laughs> I don't think that would normally happen. Usually they have to acquire like all the parcels, right? Like before they could do something big like that, but... Nope, he's oh, well. set in his ways, and uh, the poor guy, I mean, because he goes out and he's like, I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to do what I always do, and I go in the morning, and I sit on my bench, or my porch, and he's sitting on the porch, and it is like construction noise, trains, this, noisy. I'm like, this was not what you had 50 years ago. <laughs> so sad. And then we get to meet Jeffrey Katzenberg. I mean... <laughs> John Ratzenberger. <laughs> oh. uh, yes, you gotta find a way to put him in there. He could have been what he could have been like Alpha when he was high pitched. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the um, the bulldog. I think the bulldog would have been better. But yeah, yeah. the construction worker is perfect because he's their lucky charm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so I really like how they're really showing us that reality is kicking in, you know, as if we didn't see already that basically the whole circle of life and the fact that you things always break down and you have to pay money for it and it's hard to live your dreams. On top of that, it's like you're getting old and you have to live in a retirement home. And sometimes oh. you can't control what you say or do when you're old and you hit someone in the head and oh. have to go to court. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it keeps piling up on this guy and oh you just feel that's really another bad. moment that yeah that's another moment that's really sad when he's like alone in the court and he's so scared and you're like oh my god this is the saddest movie i've ever seen i know because he's not a bad guy and we know that yeah but and obviously anybody who wears shades like that is an evil person. So <laughs> was that guy like his face was so washed out. He almost looked like a skull and crossbow. Like, That's just the what skull. I thought too. I was like, who is this creeper? <laughs> he owns the place. So, okay. So what other scenes did you like from the movie? I don't think we're going to go like scene by scene. I think we'll just talk about kind of the main ones that stand out. And it, mm -hmm. it could be scene by scene. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's pretty much it. Every scene is the best. <laughs> All of the movie. <laughs> Definitely when you meet Russell, it just kind of changes a little bit again. And you're like, you don't know what to do with Russell. Because you've just had this whole... You have followed Carl this whole time, so you understand what he's going through. And then Russell shows up. Like, who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> what is your purpose? Go away! <laughs> you don't look like anyone else in this movie. <laughs> it's true. You're giant and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> He just keeps repeating the same speech, and you're yes. like, why, why is this happening? <laughs> it's so cute, because you know he's practiced really hard, and I don't know why, how he found this house in the middle of the city, basically, in the construction zone, but <laughs> he's really thorough. It must be in I'm his district. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, And then later, when um, 
Carl finally has it and he floats away on the balloons, which is a really cool scene because they just, the balloons start appearing and floating up and the music is really good. And then, you know, very quickly we realize there's a knock on the door. <laughs> Who could that be? <laughs> it's Russell. <laughs> and, he, and the best part is like they add more comedy to this scene. You're already laughing at the fact that how the heck did you get here? And then he says, I don't. What does Carl say? He basically slams the door on him. No. Yeah. He's like, "Can I come in?" No. no. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then Russell just stands there, like, "What am I gonna do now?" <laughs> oh. Oh, and then when they're going over, he's like, "They're floating over the city," and he, Russell's inside the house by this point, and he's looking over through the window. He's like, "Hey, look! It's almost like it almost touched the buildings," and then it shifts to the daydream of Carl of like actually hoisting him out of the window. <laughs> and then he falls down. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not gonna work. <laughs> but isn't it amazing that like barely ten minutes ago we were crying and now we're laughing? Yeah. yeah. This is probably one of the more serious Pixar films, but I, are all Pixar films for the most part like comedic? They all they all make sure to have the quote unquote heart, but they always have to have a little bit of the humor in there too. I mean, you look at even Toy Story two is extremely humorous, mm-hmm. yeah. but then there's the moments of like, oh man, now I feel bad for being mean to my toys not even not even being mean to them i just feel bad about growing up i'm sorry for growing up oh yeah and they're like i think finding nemo is probably the funniest pixar movie for me but like most of them are really really funny but you remind you remember them as more serious whereas monster seeing finding nemo you remember them as being funnier maybe yeah Mm mm-hmm and Up is definitely one of the serious ones. Mm-hmm. But still funny and hilarious and yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah. It has talking dogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Alpha. Oh, gosh. And that is so unexpected. It's like the dogs are already talking. Yeah. But then on top of that, we have a really high-pitched one, which is just even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he looks so mean, so it's even funnier. Yes. You picked the most... Uh, intimidating dog, the Doberman, you know, have been used in many Oliver and Company. They were the bad guys. I mean, Dobermans, I... they get a bad rep because they're always the yep. bad guys. <laughs> My so. favorite dogs. Aw, Chelsea had one. I Named did. Princess. Aww. She was Aww. the best. <laughs> we, yeah, we will I... never talk about Princess again. I'm sorry, Chelsea. Yeah, let's not, let's not go there. <laughs> this Aww. is one. This is. Yet another sad part of my life. Let's move on. Shall I I cue married life music? (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God, this is too much. (laughs) I don't even know what happened, and I'm crying. That's all you need. It's the Pavlov's bell. (laughs) Yep. Oh, I was... (laughs) Never mind. Every time you say Pavlov's, I think you're about to say Pablo. (laughs) I was like... Pablo's bell. (laughs) I have a bell. (laughs) I have a thunder tube. (laughs) (laughs) I really do like when they're flying over the city and they actually get into the the cumulus clouds. Those are cumulus (laughs) clouds. (laughs) He just like turns his hearing aid off. Like those little things, are like oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I would so do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're definitely from two different worlds. 
because again, this is another juxtaposition of the square Carl and something very round and lively, yeah. which is Russell. And you would think, oh, this is kind of a replacement for Ellie because they're both kind of crazy and out there and fun, but he's not buying it. He He's yeah. not Ellie and nothing could replace Ellie. And I don't like you go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if he just kind of opened up to it, as we learn later, like Russell is exactly what Carl needs. Like he needs that, you know, he needs that someone else to balance him out, whether it's a significant other or a friend. We all need that. Yeah. Yeah. But he just wants to be alone and, and you understand, but it's still like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Quit being so grumpy. You're not a dwarf. <laughs> Although he, that'd be pretty sweet if he was an honorary dwarf and he, he took over for uh, Grumpy whenever Grumpy was sick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking sorry, about? Sorry. <laughs> Come on, Disney reference. Come on. No, I, well, yeah. he, I thought it was like a Lord of the Rings reference. And I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> over my head once again. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to meet, we actually, like land and he's landing over in this random world and hey guess what it happens to be the exact spot that he always dreamed about yeah yep. without even trying perfect timing yeah. <laughs> awesome. they're in south america now it's like america but south <laughs> pablo that's your world is that what south america looks like uh i i wish <laughs> Do you have a bunch of kevin's around yeah i have a bunch of them right here oh <laughs> baby kevin <laughs> they're so cute and it's honestly so so beautiful like the jungle uh, I th- I think it's one of the prettiest Pixar movies it's just so beautiful and the jungle is so amazing and colorful it was pretty I'll agree with that yeah <laughs> it's interesting that um, we've gone from you know a cityscape that we were kind of familiar with that was like real world territory and now we're in the jungle so this movie kind of jumps all over the place visually, whether it's the characters or the scenes, the locations. Uh, well, yeah, we went from real life to balloon life to South American <laughs> life. And still, we're okay with it, which yeah. is really yeah. cool. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so this is, you know, again, where you realize I nine-year-olds are annoying when they're kind of like tied together and he's like are we there yet i'm tired you're like oh i know exactly who you are there's a little rustle in my life that oh, oh my gosh oh so uh, true we've all been there we've been there and then we get to meet we then we do get to meet the dogs and doug Oh, I no. love Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. It's perfect. That's a dog. That's a dog right there. Well, yeah, that one line, and you're like, that's so true. Because <laughs> dogs love unconditionally, which is yeah. awesome. And so I was reading up on this, and apparently um, Bob Peterson, who was the co-director and co-writer on this, he was inspired by that line when he was a camp counselor in the 80s and a little kid came up to him and basically said like a similar quote to that. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. It's like it relates to little children and dogs. Uh, They're just <laughs> loving. They're yeah. very similar. Yeah. <laughs> and I love you. Squirrel! 
<laughs> that is probably one of the like you know people like us, the crazy Pixar yeah. Disney fans. We quote stuff like that all the time. But that squirrel line is one that like just normal people, whoever you are, quote all the time. It's true because I beautiful. I'm I'm places and people will be talking and then it's just kind of like become a modern day uh, phrase for distraction. Like I'm distracted, or I want to distract you, or whatever. I can't keep anyone's attention. Is because this ha- like at work meetings, people yell this. It's like squirrel. <laughs> it's just it's really funny how it's kind of come into real life, as you'd say, outside of our animation circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, it's so good, and it's so funny when the when the when the pack of dogs does it. <laughs> yeah, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. I hate squirrels. <laughs> oh, and the joke, the joke is the best part. It's true. Mm. I like that. Um, so we love Doug at first, but then we realize, ooh, he's he's actually a bad guy, or he's working with the bad guys. Because <laughs> he's like, I'll get it. I'll I'll get the Kevin. Or he doesn't say Kevin, but whatever he's supposed to be looking for. And I love how his face is just like so dog-like, like his tongue hanging out, but he's talking, so it's it's so funny. <laughs> and you can tell that all he really wants is just to be to have that acceptance. Like that's mm-hmm. all he wants. And that's what my that's what a lot of dogs and people people just want to be accepted. Yeah, we we all relate to that. Like, so another interesting thing about the squirrel and Doug. So whenever Doug kind of says squirrel and he points. And he goes really straight and rigid, like his whole body, or at least the backside of his body is like perfectly straight from head to tail. And apparently that is a way that they paid homage to Pluto, who's Mickey Mouse's dog. Because if you've ever watched any of the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, that's, that was Pluto's like pointing, uh, pointing pose. Same, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, especially in the the twenties, thirties and forties where it was kind of over-characterized. Uh, and so they definitely incorporated that. And now that I think about that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so true. That is totally Pluto. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think Scooby-Doo also does it, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. My favorite animated dog. <gasps> Your favorite really? animated dog. Aw. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad we couldn't have gotten you on a on a Scooby-Doo episode though we, i'm not sure yet there's... to do a scooby-doo episode I know. what are you talking about chelsea <laughs> that's what i'm saying like there's not really any very many like full-length feature that's where you're wrong that i'd want to watch though there's just a new one that came out and it was like scooby-doo and wrestlemania um, yep i did not watch that. i did not watch that either <laughs> But if you did, please send us a review at rotoscopers.com slash voicemail. I'm very interested. <laughs> yeah, I won. <laughs> oh. Okay, and then at, at this point in time, we, we actually meet the bad guy, which we don't know is the bad guy, but it is. He's a it's, hero. It's, yeah, it's the hero. It's Charles Munz. And what's really cute when he meets him, when... Carl meets him, he's just like, oh my gosh, you're my hero. And obviously he's not going to have a lot of these moments where he meets his hero in his life, you know, at this point in time because he's older. So, you know, there are not very many heroes of his around anymore. Um, But that's my question. How old do you think Charles Muntz is? Oh my gosh. 200 years old. (laughs) He, I have no idea. Okay, so 
when Carl was little, I let's say Carl was probably like what eight. Yeah, yeah. We'll go with eight. So Charles was probably what late twenties. Yeah, I could see that, like twenty six yeah. maybe. How old do you think Carl is now? Eighty. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, probably 70s or 80s. So this guy is 90 to 100 or more plus. <laughs> He's looking good. Yep. Comparatively, I mean, considering. I'm yeah. going to Google this uh, right now. How old is Charles Munson up? I read in one of the earlier drafts, there was like this whole mythology with Kevin's ex that they made people immortal. So that's how they explained that Charles was still alive. But they found it too complicated. So they just dropped it and they were like oh let's hope people will be too into the movie to wonder that ah <laughs> well we wondered trust me <laughs> yep we wondered <laughs> nothing gets past us Mm-hmm. have you found it uh no there's no official but interesting it says Munz's objectives actions and fate is very similar arguably identical to those of mcleach in rescuers down under huh what oh, it's true because McLeach is trying to get the albatross, the golden albatross. Oh, that's and that's true. like his life mission. And right. then he sort of has a very horrible death fall, falling right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Disney right. falling death. We have to, <laughs> and they both die of the Disney falling death. We have to rank those one day. Okay, oh, that's a that's YouTube so video. A cool idea. We are gonna oh, rank yeah. Disney, div, div, maybe just Disney deaths or Disney fall deaths. What do you What do you say, Pablo? Oh, I like both because they're, I'm sure there are very creative deaths, but the fall ones are just a classic. It is a Disney. It's like we want to be really mean and show that we're killing someone, but we don't want to be that mean and actually show us killing someone or shooting. Yeah. So just fall away. Just go away. Yeah. <laughs> but then, and then you have Syndrome in The Incredibles. Oh. That is the most horrible death imaginable. I don't even want to think about that because that's just like, Ah, your body's being shredded to nothing. Oh my gosh, this is disgusting. But I'm not thinking about that. (laughs) No capes. No capes. (laughs) At this point in time, now his hero is no longer his hero. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh, we got to make sure that uh, Kevin isn't found now. Awesome, this guy's got issues. And then he he ends up going back to the house and um, he finds the... Is, was this before or after he finds the the journal again? This is before. Yeah, this is before. So the journal, at that point in time, he gets the adventures book again, right? Yeah, because there's a point where he has to choose either, like, he has to rescue Kevin or... The house. Save, yeah, or the yeah, house. He chooses right. the house. So he chooses, like, clinging on to the past. Mm-hmm. And then Russell leaves him. And that's where he just enters the house and starts reading a book. And then you cry again. And then you cry again. (laughs) Oh, it's true. And I love that moment because he he realizes that Ellie, like, was happy with the life they lived, that she had her adventure. Mm -hmm. And he just starts, like, emptying the house. And it's, like, so symbolic of, like, letting go of the past and, Mm -hmm. like, leaving his baggage behind. And then you cry again. You just cry all the time in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a really important thing that I think sometimes we don't realize, like our significant other, how they really feel about the situation. So maybe we're always trying to please them or we want the best for them. And, you know, not saying that 
you know, clearly their communication wasn't perfect because she never expressed to him how satisfied she was with their life, even though they had all these ups and downs and, and unexpected twists and turns. She was still so content and happy with how it all ended. And I don't know. I just think it's interesting that, like, we need to pay attention and be okay with where our life goes. And it's even more important when we accept what our significant other or friend or family, you know, what they have accepted for their life. Yeah. And I mean, what Pablo said about the whole letting go of the baggage and kind of closing that door um, you know, I've had moments in my life where it's like, okay, that chapter of my life is done and I can, I put it away and it's, it is a very, um, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but I mean, it's a very cleansing feeling where it's like, I can let go of this, I can move on and I don't have, like, it's, it's over and I can move, I can enjoy my life again type thing. Yeah. And I don't know if it, I watch too many TV, movies and TV shows or what, but I find it easier to like close a chapter when I do something symbolic, like I don't know, like get it, uh, donating something, like most of like clean cleaning my room and donating something, or like I recently got a tattoo to like close a chapter of my life and start a new one, and it's just easier to do like something symbolic and be like, okay, I'm ready to start again. Yeah. I agree. Like those big moments instead of just to subtly let it happen, just really close the book. Um, although I must be a hoarder because the whole time he was throwing stuff out, I'm like, oh my gosh, no. that's your china hutch, that's your chair. I like made me I'm really the chair. sad. Ellie's chair. But, you know, then it's really good because we really shouldn't um, have so much attachment to physical things because they're just yeah. things and yes. they actually were things that were reminding him of the past and you know the old life that he had which was so important and you should never forget it but it wasn't allowing him to grow and to move on and so when he finally accepted his new life it it didn't matter it, it's just stuff so we can't take stuff with us to the next world i can't take this stuff if i want to save you know all my new friends I gotta go and move on and so you know really there's a lot of deep meaning in this movie yeah um yeah definitely. which is great did we talk about how charles just has like mountains of dogs everywhere <laughs> 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 that's just his thing is to train these dogs and he's quite the inventor i'm like i if i were you I would go back to civilization and sell this little contraption because <laughs> talking, yeah, you are going to be billionaire. <laughs> Team up with syndrome, and you could like save us all. <laughs> totally. Except for they're both bad guys, so they'll ruin us yeah. all. Yeah. Technology is bad. That's yes. Pixar's morale. <laughs> That's what Pixar's saying, which is extremely ironic. <laughs> yep. We are owned by Steve Jobs, who is the, <laughs> or at least we were, but we oh. hate everything about it. <laughs> yep. Oh man. And Steve gave his seal of approval, and he okayed this message. <laughs> it, you know, it's it's funny how you know. A lot of the humor in this is kind of situational for me. And in the moment, it's kind of like comes out of surprise, little things. I didn't find myself laughing as much during this watch, like this viewing 
And I think it's more just because the, and I'm not exactly sure why that is, but like I cried just as much as ever. <laughs> so what is the difference there? Why is that? Because, I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of little funny things that, like, when you watch it, those are really funny. And you know that they're funny. Like, the, the fact that the the voice is high, high-pitched for the Doberman, it's funny. But for whatever reason, it, I knew it was coming, so I wasn't as surprised by it and wasn't as funny to me, I guess. Yeah. I think Up doesn't have as many, like, laugh out loud moments as other Pixar movies. Like, it has funny moments, and you're like, ha! But you don't laugh out loud like when Dory speaks well, for example. Right. <laughs> so the last half hour of the movie is where it really slows for me. Um, I think I, this is why I pick, like, I love Up, but when I'm looking at all my movies, I guess I don't really gravitate to Up as much as I would Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3 or uh, other ones. Because I guess I feel that the ending, it's just a lot of action. It, it just it goes so much slower for me and feels um, different. I've always had a problem with like when the dogs start like flying planes and shooting and stuff <laughs> uh-huh. because like y- y- we're introduced to the talking dogs late in the story and you're like okay so the dogs can talk but then they can also cook and now they can fly and it just <laughs> like it, it keeps asking you to suspend your disbelief higher and higher and I think that's my only problem with that. Like, I, I compare it, like, at the end, it, it's as if in the end of Toy Story, like, Boss could suddenly actually fly. You're, you're like, wait, what? These are not the rules that I, I had. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, for the most part, this is a pretty real world. Um, you know, with a little exaggerations here and there <laughs> that balloons can yeah. actually carry a house that size. But, you know, you believe it. And the like you said, the dogs... Okay, they're real-life dogs. They're not doing anything crazy. They just have a special contraption that makes them talk. And then suddenly, whoa, plates. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, yeah, I, that, you said it perfectly. Like, it sets up the rules, and then, like, it, ask, it asks you to believe something else. And you're like, I, I'm a little lost. I now they can fly. <laughs> does Charles ever get in a plane and try to shoot him? I don't think I so. I don't think no, so. because I think it's having, like, a sword fight with Carl. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it would have been more realistic and more gruesome, not gruesome, but horrific if Charles was the one shooting at them rather than the dogs. Because the dogs had like sort of humor and like, oh, this is funny, but not real, you know, so. And they do make a point of showing that they're shooting darts. Yeah. Not bullets. Yeah. Can't have bullets. Like, yes, you can. But <laughs> I love the part where, you know, they're figuring out how to detract the dogs in the plane. And they just say, squirrel! And they all <laughs> crash, into, crash into each other. And, you know, I foiled them. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, they didn't die. They all happily parachuted down. <laughs> of course they did. Because you can't have little puppies dying. No. That would be too sad for up. I mean, you can totally kill off Charles, but the puppies, no. (laughs) 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 So I was looking up, and so Paradise Falls is actually based on a real place in Venezuela. It's called the Tepui, which stands for Flat Mountains and Waterfalls. 
Um, and so if you Google it, which I'll include a link to kind of like the Google image search of these mountains, they are completely flat on top, just like in, in the film, which is pretty cool. And you can actually see on the tickets that he buys, it does say Venezuela. Ah. Oh, so close. I it noticed that. Been Colombia. It should have been Colombia. They were it's a couple better. countries off. <laughs> we're right next to each other. So. <laughs> So at this point in time, the, the movie ends with the whole, the fight scene is over and everybody, and then we end up going and um, we actually get to go back to real life with Russell at his next, at his next um, troop meeting, which, you know, how they got home. No, they got home from the blimp. That's right. So yep. they got, but you don't know that initially. Right. But they, yeah, because I was like, how did they get home? Oh, yeah, the blimp. <laughs> so they get there, and, you know, at first he doesn't have anybody there to support him, to pin his little badge on. And then all of a sudden Carl shows up and, like, I'm there for him. I'm I'm here for you or something like that. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And then he turns around and he gives him the Ellie badge. And I was oh, like, God. you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Tears again. <laughs> Oh, and then you see all the dogs in the background as they've all followed him. <laughs> they all have their collars and everything. It's great. And then they're sitting on the curb eating ice cream, and you see a random ladder in the background, and that's when you, you know, it zooms out and you realize, oh, yeah, that's the blimp. <laughs> oh, so great. It's a cute and I guess ending. Carl lives there, right? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, well, now he's he doesn't have a home now, so might as well just stay in the blimp. Hey, some old guys go around in their in <laughs> go around the country in their RV. He goes around the country in his blimp. I mean, he already sort of established himself as a way. floater with the house. It's true. <laughs> he's like, I like oh. this lifestyle. I need a house in the air. Oh, and that blimp is amazing. Like, yeah. it, it has a museum and. <laughs> And the dogs can cook for him anyway, so you know he's got it. He's got a life made, man. Yeah, no wonder Charles never even tried to go back home. <laughs> oh. I but, also love like the very last shot of the house we see. Oh, how it floated back to the, the exact spot. The exact spot. And then I cry again. <laughs> then I cry again. Yeah, no, that was really great. So what do you guys rate it? Pablo, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, I'll give up four stars. I think it's, like, emotionally speaking, it's one of Pixar's best. Uh, but as I said, I have a little problem with the dogs flying, and and I think the, the story could have been better. Ultimately, it's just, like, it, you're so emotionally involved that you don't really care that the story has some flaws, but... 
I guess it could have been better. So four stars for me. Yeah, I would say I would. I can give it four stars. I was having a trouble. I didn't know what I would give this movie because honestly, the only thing I could remember thinking back on a movie was that it made me cry, and so those types of movies I don't tend to go back to very often. But um, I just and I didn't really remember the ending. Like there aren't like there aren't really a lot of key moments toward the end like Morgan was talking about that made you come back to the real heart of the story until the very ending. Um so yeah, I I'd give it four stars though cuz you because of the fact that they were able to get you so emotionally involved from the get-go. Yes. I'm going to join you with four stars. I think this movie's so strong. It does a really great job about just attacking your heartstrings and your tear ducts and really making you care for these characters emotionally. Um, and a wide variety of characters, but the main ones like Ellie, Carl, and Russell. You really care. And Doug, you care what happens to these characters in the end. And for that, they, they did such a good job. And the first half of this movie is so strong. Uh, the last 30 minutes, I kind of struggle a bit, like, you know, we've all been talking about. It just kind of gets a little muddy, and um, I kind of lose interest during this middle section, and it picks back up at the end, and it kind of ties those emotional beats back and ends on a really, really high note. So, four stars. The soundtrack is five stars. Though. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, here, here. Here, here. <laughs> Let's move on to the listener question from Twitter. What is your favorite character in Pixar's Up? And so we've got a couple people who have responded. August Marcius, he says, Carl. So our next one is Legless, and he says, Russell, his energetic personality makes me wish I had a younger brother. Oh, that's cute. Victor says, Doug. Viv says, definitely Russell. Jasmine says, Doug, of course. Pablo. What, what, what did you say, Pablo? I said that woman who dies at the beginning. <laughs> that quote, that tweet was so good, I retweeted it. It was hilarious. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, it made me laugh. <laughs> and then Robert Linden, he said, Doug, he reminded me of my golden retriever. And, oh, it keeps going. Oh, yes. Maybe, maybe Irie says, Carl, he makes me cry. Abby says, oh, my favorite character has to be Carl. Uh, Adriana says, Carl, because he reminds me of my grandfather. David says, Paradise Falls. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Going out of the main four. There you go. (laughs) Um, New says, Doug, because he's so energetic and have awesome voices. And squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Samoa says, Ellie. And then Animator Island says Doug, for sure. I'm trying. So what was the consensus on that? Was it it definitely between what? Carl and Doug Doug and Russell? I have no idea. Oh, it's the big battle. Maybe I'll put um, a poll on the website sidebar so everyone else can chime in. Who is your favorite character? So, yes. I'm surprised. Like, no one mentioned Kevin, and we barely talked about him. Oh, her. Kevin! It's true. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about his babies. I, 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 <laughs> I actually love girl? her. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, yes, her, her. Yeah. Just like Rainbow I actually, Dash. <laughs> I, I, I love Kevin. Like, he's one of my favorite Pixar characters, so it's very weird that I didn't talk about him a lot. Her? I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They you with I, that. <laughs> Kevin's yeah. a girl. <laughs> I love her introduction scene. Like, like it's so funny with, with the way he interacts with Carl. With the chocolate. She interacts with Carl, so this is very difficult. <laughs> um, I'd want a stuffed Kevin. I have one. What? Of course you do. Yes. <laughs> oh, how big is it? Oh, it's pretty big. I wish it was bigger, but it's you adorable. Want a, you want a life-size stuffed? Yeah, I want the live Kevin. Nice. Yeah, the live Kevin would be pretty cool. Especially with those like vomiting noises he makes. <laughs> Jeez. And during the soundtrack, I was listening to it the other day, and there's this just track that's just like Kevin's noise when he's like vomiting Carl's uh, cane, and you're like, "What is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why Pablo is so awesome because the the phrase I was listening to the Up soundtrack the other day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just yes. Oh. We are going to go into our mailbag segment now. Um, Pablo isn't here for this. We recorded this before he joined. He was a last-minute addition to the episode, and so uh, we were giving him some time to get ready. So Chelsea and I just hopped on to the voicemails. So let's go to it. Our first one is from Mario, and Mario actually sent his voicemail in two parts. Hello, the Rotoscopers. I am your biggest fan ever. My name is Mario Marikino, and I have watched every single podcast you guys have posted since Beauty and the Beast all the way to my current last run, the 64th episode, The Lord of the Rings. Please, please, please give me your shout out. Give me a shout out um, in your next um, podcast. Please, thank you. I love you guys. Do what you do. Bye, Morgan. Chelsea and Mason. Bye. Hello, it's Mario again, and I just want to say I forgot to say something yesterday. I actually want, um, I have a request. Maybe you guys can um, do Toy Story 3. Um, yeah, thanks. Bye, Morgan, Mason, and Chelsea. I love you. Do what you do. Bye, Rotoscopers. Okay, so far. The voicemails on this episode are probably awesome. Yes. Oh, thanks, Mario. That was the cutest voicemail ever. And, of course, we'll give you a shout-out. So, shout-out to Mario, our biggest fan. And so, so big, sent two voicemails. Yeah. Just saying, yeah. guys. Just saying. That's pretty legit. Our next one is from Janice Marie. Let's hear what she has to say. Hi guys, my name is Janice. I am 17 years old. And I got some trivia that I don't know if you'll talk about early in this episode. But did you know that um, the villain Charles Muntz in Ump is actually named after Charles Mintz, the guy who stole the rights to Walt Disney's um, cartoon Oswald the Lucky Rabbit? Um... That's just something I wanted to 
ask you, and I can't wait for your next episode. Alright, well, keep up the good work. I love you guys. Mason, you're hilarious! And maybe I'll hear from you guys. So, bye. Thanks for listening. Or thanks for letting me ask you. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Mason is hilarious. I love it. Oh, I'm sad Mason couldn't be here to hear that because Mason is hilarious. And Janice Marie is super awesome. She tweets us all the time and she always, if we miss a news story or she finds something cool on YouTube, she'll send us a video and we'll check it out and retweet it. And she keeps us in the loop. So she really does. Love Janice. Another regular. We have our favorite Gemma here. Hi, guys. It's Gemma. Um, sorry you haven't heard from me in a while. I unfortunately haven't seen a lot of the films you've covered this year, um, so I thought I would do a voicemail for Up. When I first saw the film in cinemas five years ago, I liked it just fine. Wasn't crazy about it like everyone else, but I liked it. There's a general opinion I've noticed since that you're either an Up person or a Wally person. You can like both, but there's one that you like a lot more. And there's no doubt, I'm a Wally person. It might be my favourite film of all time. So for a while, I was firmly in the Wally so much better, up can't compare category. But it wasn't until last October when I chose to write about Up's music for an essay for uni, my highest grade to date, and I had to watch the film multiple times over a month that I realised just how great this film is. It just got better and better every time I watched it. I found myself laughing at all the jokes, loving the characters' personalities, and even crying at the married life sequence. I hardly ever cry at films unless I'm in the mood. This had me crying every time, whatever mood I was in. It's certainly gone up in my books now. I'd put it third in the Pixar film rankings, which is obviously pretty high. I'm still a Wally person, but I can now see how you can be an up person. Keep up the great work, guys. Thanks, Gemma. I'm really glad to hear that your highest grade ever was on... Uh, an essay about a Disney Pixar film that's awesome and perfect and shows how big of a rock star you are because you are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so what do you think, Chelsea? Are you an up person or are you a Wally person? Oh, I'm definitely more of an up person. Wally, I just couldn't get into as much because as, as much as I hate the fact that that up makes me cry bitter tears not bitter tears but like it just makes me cry every single time and I hate crying but I just I I I it's that like love-hate relationship with with up that you love the movies that make you miserable (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm an up person I I'm not as big of like an up fanatic like some people I like kind of I'll mention like I mentioned in the review Um, sort of the end just gets really slow for me and it's just really exciting at the beginning of this movie um, and just not as exciting at the end or or keeps my attention as much Um, but I do like Wally but I think I need to watch him like back to back and kind of make that decision for myself but definitely up next we're going to listen to Brandon hey Rotoscopers this is Brandon Um, I love you I love reading your articles and and um, watching the YouTube channel and uh, the uh, podcast. Um, anyway, about Up, which is actually one of my favorite, I would say, mature Pixar films, because it was the first time a Pixar film, in my opinion, that really, really took a lot of guts to, 
you know, and it's it has just everything to offer uh, when you think about it. It has comedy, it has drama, it has moments for children, but moments for the adults, and it, it, it just has everything all together. The first, the, what everyone remembers about Up is the first, obviously, the first eight minutes. And I remember sitting in theaters with my family, and we were all in tears. And I, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is true, but this might be the first animated film to really deal with a miscarriage. I remember when I was little, um, I, um, I used to draw my own like little comic books, and I did like a one that was like a serious one. I had an animated character that also had a miscarriage, but obviously that's my own personal time of writing stories or whatever, or in technical, in a te- more technical way, drawing them. But um, this was the first time on the big screen that I got to see like something, do, you know, an anime film deal with that kind of subject matter. So just overall, it's just a great movie. Oh, sorry, Brandon, <laughs> got cut up there. Okay, our next one is from Adriana. Hello, Rotoscopers. My name is Adriana, and this is my little review of Up. Up is so quirky and creative and emotional and inspiring and heart-wrenching all at the same time. I've seen this movie so many times, and I always notice new things I haven't noticed before whenever I watch it. My favorite scene in the movie has to be when the house is lifting up for the first time. I would definitely recommend this movie to anyone and everyone, and I rate it four and a half stars. I'm also really emotionally connected to this story because my grandma passed away a couple months before this movie came out, and then later my grandpa passed away like a month or two after this movie came out. And this movie was a really great coping mechanism to get me through those hard times. So I would recommend anyone going through a similar situation to watch this movie, and it will make you feel better. So that's my own little review of Up, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, Adriana. I loved your your reviews. Really awesome to see um, how personal the movies are and how they're able to help people cope during times of trial. And this one is definitely one that, like, gives you hope. Um, you know, you recognize, okay, you know, something bad has happened and I, there's a big loss in my family. But the moral of the story is that your adventure isn't over, that you can continue yeah. your adventure. And I think that's great. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much, Adriana, for sharing that with us. Hi, Rotoscopers. My name's Kimber. I'm a student at BYU, and when I heard you guys were doing an Up episode, I just had to send in my thoughts. Up is my second favorite Pixar movie. Very, very close to my top favorite, which is The Incredibles. Um, I just wanted to share with you guys a really funny memory that I have with Up. Uh, it was New Year's Eve, and I was hanging out with my friends, and they, we all wanted to watch a movie. And I suggested Up because they hadn't seen it, and everyone should see Up, of course. And so we start watching it, and in the beginning, obviously it's really sad. And so we're all crying, and they're like, what did you do to us? Why are we watching this? It's New Year's Eve. We should be watching a fun movie. And so I'm like, I promise it's fun. Wait, just wait. Like, it's a great movie. Trust me. And they ended up loving it, of course, because it's amazing. Um, so whenever I think about Up, I always think about that and laugh to myself. Um, 
My favorite character is definitely Doug because he's adorable and he makes me want a dog so badly. Um, yeah, thanks for all your guys' hard work and I can't wait to hear the episode. Bye! So Kimber is so cool. She follows us on Twitter and comments all the time and, you know, I feel a certain connection to her because I went to BYU too. So I know what it's like when you have those... uh those parties where everyone's together all the time. Although at New Year's Eve, she might have been home and not hanging out with her BYU friends. But still, BYU super cool, and so that's why I love Kimber. And I love that story that she shared because this is exactly why we want people to call and and send in voicemails just to kind of hear unique memories that you had with the movie or your review. And and that's hilarious because, yeah, up. Still crying. (laughs) Still crying. And hello, hello, rotoscopers. I'm Yuri. I'm from Brazil, São Paulo. And when I heard you guys were making an episode about Up, I just had to send a voicemail because it's certainly one of my favorite movies from Pixar. And not only that, because it have my favorite dog character because Doug it's for me the best character you can have in an animal it's not it's not like he talks you know the the color that they made that make him talk by just thinking and not actually enunciate, enunciating the word you know open the mouth and making the lip sync it's it just makes makes him such a great character because he keeps keeps more animal at the same time that you can just love it, his love his voice and his acting well for a long story short i think it's like a four and a half stars and one of my favorite movies i'll have to say Thank you. You have no idea how happy I got the moment he said he was from Brazil. <laughs> I actually do know. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I was like, that's fantastic. Yay. And he's so right, too. The fact that they didn't turn it into a, they didn't turn the dogs into, like, you know, actually trying to move their mouths, trying to do it. Mm-hmm. That would have had one more, added one more level of, like, craziness to it. But it was just, you knew what they were thinking. It was great. I approve, Yuri. I approve. joining us for this episode and a special thank you to Pablo who joined us really at the last minute and I'm really happy that he could. I'm really happy I could too. Thanks for the invite. No problem. Anytime Mason is busy and it's a Pixar episode or basically any episode and you're available, you're in. 
I'll make sure he's busy. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> His plan is working. Exactly. <laughs> So if you want to go to all the things that we were talking about in this episode, you can find them in the show notes at rotoscopers.com slash 66. That's also where you can find the links if you're interested in buying up on DVD or Blu-ray or the soundtrack. Highly recommend it. There's actually a limited edition up soundtrack, um, which you might want to check out because, uh, yeah, pretty awesome. Also, if you are tweeting about this episode on social media, use the hashtag AnimAddicts. And if you made it this far to the end of the episode, use the hashtag. Hmm. What should Still we... crying. <laughs> still crying. Still crying. <laughs> use the hashtag still crying. <laughs> um, to quote Pablo, per se. Oh, it's true. <laughs> um, we by the time this episode comes out, the t-shirt contest will have closed and we will be in the final stages of picking a winner. But make sure to, we're going to have a fan vote at the very end. We're going to pick a final few designs and you guys will be able to vote. So as always, go to rotoscopers.com slash t-shirt contest and that's where you can find the updated uh, version so you can make your pick. Really excited. The designs have been so awesome and I'm like, I would wear that and that and I, that. Oh, yeah. So definitely check that out. You can find us on Animated Views, Hypable, and of course, rotoscopers.com. Be sure to check out our website, rotoscopers.com. That's where our fabulous writers, including the one and only Pablo, can be found writing their amazing stories. Uh, Pablo actually wrote an article, um, part of our, our Up Pump Up Week, where he was talking about some of the flaws in Up, and I already sneak previewed it, and it's fabulous as always, and as always has a picture of you know, Brad Bird, just because. It's it had to. It's it's becoming difficult to do it in, like, fresh ways. <laughs> but he still manages to do it. That's why he's so yep. good. <laughs> and if you're listening to us on your iPhone or your uh, mobile device, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. We appreciate it when you do that and love it so much. And then we're going to be continuing doing our dog episodes. So send in your voicemails at rotoscopers.com slash voicemail, or you can call it in at 406-646-6575. Our next episode that we're going to be doing is Don Blue's All Dogs Go to Heaven. It's going to be a good one because I really love anything Don Bluth does, and I especially love that movie. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I, we were thinking about doing a Disney uh, dog movie, and so we were kind of saying Bolt, and then we changed it to Lady and the Tramp, and then I was like, oh, what about Hunter on Dalmatians? That's like the biggest dog movie of all. So I think I'm going to put a poll on the website, on the sidebar, um, so you guys can vote about which Disney dog episode you want us to do the most. Because if I had my vote, I would say Lady and the Tramp, but you guys may disagree. <laughs> I disagree. He's the tramp, but I love so him. So I'm giving the power to the people. I'm not a dictator, as Chelsea knows me as. <laughs> I do not say that you're a dictator. You just know that I'm a dictator, <laughs> and you no, accept it. <laughs> and I just learn the rules and learn how to win the game. So I just I know how to win. <laughs> oh, I'm going to vote every day on that poll. Hey, do it. Oh, <laughs> All right, I just guys. love I love Cruella. De, I love Cruella de Vil so much. Uh, I know. I would totally be okay if Hunter One Dalmatians won. So yep. those are my two votes. <laughs> 
Do I get a vote? Because I'm totally going to vote. <laughs> I'm totally going to vote. I'm a listener, too. <laughs> okay, before we go off, you can find me, Morgan Stradling, on Twitter, at Morgan Stradling. You can find Chelsea on Twitter, at Chelsea Robson. And you can find Pablo on Twitter, at Pablo R-V, the letter V as in Victor, 7. Again, right? Yep, that's right. Again, that's Pablo R-V-7. So thanks for listening, and big thank you to Pablo again. This has been so fun. We need to make this more common. Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So until next time, we We are are the the Rotoscopers. this weird hammock chair on Amazon using our affiliate link? No. (laughs) I sent it to you. Um, Did I buy a hammock chair? No. I love seeing some of the weird things. (laughs) (laughs) That that looks cool, though. I definitely want one. It has even a drink holder. (laughs) Classy. You can get those. The last time I saw something like that was at the Renaissance Festival. Ah, it's a good place. Huzzah. Um, oh, jeez. How do you say that one? Legolas? Oh, Legolas. Chelsea! This is my Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Hashtag Lord of the Rings fail. Again. (laughs) Just expect that in life. Just expect that I will always have a (laughs) Lord of the Rings fail. (laughs) Well, because it looks like an eye. So I was trying to figure out what, like, (laughs) Yegel. Whatever. Jared just texted me, Jimmy misses you. So, <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> Let's play, Kimberly. And, and footprints. <laughs>